This is Chris Slade, former University of Virginia defensive end, graduate of 1993, back on the staff at UVA. Excited to be back coaching um, my old stomping grounds. You're listening to the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. Welcome to the show. I am Chris Graham, and this is the Jerry Ratcliffe Show. And Jerry Ratcliffe is here, and boy, he's been a traveling man here this week, uh, down and back to Charlotte, North Carolina, for the annual ACC basketball tip-off. And Big focus, of course, on the University of Virginia team, the men's team uh, uh, figuring to be a top 25, top 20, top 15, top 10, depending on who you believe, team this year. Uh, certainly one of the top teams in the ECC. And uh, Jerry spent some time um, with reporters uh, along with uh, Tony Bennett and Jaden Gardner and Kihei Clark. And just wanted to get a sense, uh, Jerry, of um, how the day went and, and what some of the guys were saying about this upcoming season. Yeah, it was kind of a typical uh, operation. Basketball is what they used to call it. Now it's a tip-off, but uh, ACC Basketball Media Day, all the league's coaches and two players from each school were there and <clears throat> rotating around talking to TV, radio, and and print media or internet media, whatever we are these days. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think Tony Bennett was pretty uh, – enthused about this coming season and he should be um it, it's funny you know he, last year he told us it was probably the newest team he had ever coached with uh with some transfers coming in kind of playing new roles or uh, at least with a new team uh he had two or three players of his own kind of stepping in roles they hadn't had that much responsibility for last in the past, like Caden Shadrick did last year. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it took a while for that team to gel. And now this year, with six of those top scorers back, along with uh, Ben Vanderplus from Ohio as a grad transfer, uh, and four freshmen, it, it goes – it's not, I don't know that it's the most experienced team he's ever had, but it's it's certainly uh, arguably the the most experienced team he's ever had, plus maybe the deepest or one of the deepest teams he's ever had. And that's, uh, as Mike Bray from Notre Dame likes to say, don't get old uh, as far as a team in college basketball. The more juniors, seniors, grad students you have on your team, the better. And I don't know if – there's many teams in the country that boasts as, boasts as much experience as Virginia does. Yeah, I counted it up. Four guys who are fifth-year players, uh, uh, whether they're grad students or, or finishing up uh, in another way, but four fifth-year players, including Ben Vanderplas. But, you know, Francisco Cafaro was a redshirt on that 2019 title team. Kihei Clark obviously played a lot for that 2019 title team. And then um, Jaden Gardner is in, in for a fifth year. Then you got Armand Arm Franklin as a fourth-year player, senior. Um, and, uh, you know, then, you know, then, as you mentioned, the, the four young guys coming in, uh, who are all four-star recruits. So yeah, this is a, a, a deep team, an old team with some infusion of youth. Uh, I wrote a column on, on some of Tony's comments from yesterday for the AFP today. And, uh, I, I exaggerated just slightly, but, you know, I, I don't know that Virginia isn't older than some young NBA teams. I, I've brought out the Oklahoma City Thunder, but, you know, that's a really young NBA team. Virginia's got certainly has a, quite a few guys who are older than some of, uh, you know, some of the NBA's young players. 
That's a good point, Chris. And and you're right. I mean, uh, it's it's hard to beat experience. I mean, you there might be more talented teams out there, but I, you know, I, I like to go with teams that have a lot of experience, and and these guys certainly have that. It it was funny, uh, you know, back during the winter, I I talked to Jim Larinaga and of Miami and Josh Pastner of Georgia Tech about another topic, but they both at that time were touting Virginia as <clears throat> possibly the favorite or at least one of the favorites to win the ACC this year. And Pastner came out yesterday down there and said it was no doubt in his mind that Virginia should be the number one ACC team going in. Now, the ballots uh, by people covering the event yesterday won't be counted and released until, uh, I think, Monday, Sunday or Monday. So I, I think the deadline for voting is Friday. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I, I expect North Carolina with four starters back from national runner-up will probably be the number one team. And Duke, just on talent, the infusion of talent with, what is it, five five-stars <laughs> recruits. Um, will probably be number two, but I, I think Virginia will be a solid third in that voting. Yeah, Duke is interesting. I wrote a piece on um, Duke's new roster a um, week or so ago. Um, seven freshmen, you mentioned five, five stars, uh, two four stars who were pretty high four stars, and then four grad transfers, just one guy back literally who played any minutes last year, and that's Jeremy Roach, who uh, the point guard. So that's at least if you're going to have a guy back, have your point guard back, but yeah. yeah, and of course, new coach John Shire. Yeah, that's um, you know, those will be to me. Those are the three teams, and then after those three, maybe Miami, and then after Miami, I think there's a cliff uh, that will fall down for for the from from the rest of the ACC. But I think the top three teams this year uh, are going to be as good as anybody in the country. Uh, Virginia is certainly among them. Yeah, I would agree. I, I don't know how anybody would be any better than than those three teams for sure. Um, and, you know, we, we asked Tony about his uh, scheduling a little bit, um, and it's a very aggressive schedule. Um, last year they were criticized some for having a low uh, – what well, used to be RPI. I don't know what they call it now. that They change it every couple of years. But <laughs> because it wasn't the strongest schedule in the world and they didn't get help that much because the ACC wasn't giving much credit for being a good conference. And I guess they showed people at the end that they really were a good conference, but uh, this is a more aggressive scheduling model. And uh, Tony said, well, yeah, it's, it's because we have a good team and we want to be tested. He, he said, you know, maybe sometimes you look at it and wonder if you bit off more than you should chew. But uh, his dad said, uh, his dad, Dick Bennett, who we all admire, former coach at Wisconsin, uh, told him play the best and uh tony said that's you know that's what uh tom is of michigan state's been famous for for all these years and so you know play a good schedule and and see what happens and it, it should only make you better and you know looking at that schedule outside of the acc which should be pretty good this year um you've got a, a november 14th battle with Northern Iowa, who was in the NIT last year. Then uh, uh, a few days later in Las Vegas, 
you got the the main event at the MGM. Is it MGM? Uh, their arena there, I believe it I is. I think so. Yeah, I think it's right. And, um, they're going to be playing Baylor, who uh, was 2021 national champion and pretty good last year. Then they'll play either UCLA or Illinois in the second game uh, a couple of days later. November 29th, they play at Michigan in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Uh, they were in the Sweet 16 last year, and then capping off the non-conference uh, elite part of the schedule, they host Houston in a rematch from last year's game down in in Houston. Uh, of course, they were the 2022 Elite Eight team and um, beat the devil out of Virginia last year down in Houston with uh, incredible athleticism. We we thought they would be a good team all the rest of the season and they were they had a couple of dips but um should be good again i don't know if they'll be as good as last year but uh, they should be good yeah and tony you've no, we've noticed that with tony over the years uh his scheduling philosophy um when he has a young team he'll schedule lighter in the non-conference give them a chance to get their feet under them uh and when he has a veteran team that he expects to play well then you'll see that kind of the kind of schedule you see this year uh, out of out of him uh, for November and December. So um, we didn't need him to tell us that he was confident. We saw it when we saw that schedule come out. When 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 you saw all those heavyweights in November and December, uh, you you knew that Tony felt like this was a team that should be playing deep into March. Yeah, uh, and no question that I think they should be. They, they've got all the ingredients for a, a nice run, postseason run with uh, – you got size, they got speed, they got quickness, they got shooting, they got depth. Uh, they play great defense. So, you know, you, you got two point guards essentially starting in your backcourt with Beekman and Kihei and uh, plenty of other guys capable coming off the bench to back them up and, and give them a, a spell here and there. Um I really like this basketball team. We were all unsure last year about where the points were going to come from. This year, is there going to be enough basketballs to go around? <laughs> there you go, yeah. And enough enough positions for, uh, you know, Tony likes to keep his rotation around eight guys. I mean, he might go nine in some cases, depending on the depth, but he really likes to keep it relatively tight. And by, by my count, there's 12 really good players competing for those eight spots. Um, that should make, I mean, I'm, they've already been in practice for a couple of weeks, but I imagine practices are pretty intense, particularly with those guys who are, you know, trying to earn some minutes because, um, you know, the, the minutes will be hard to get for, for quite a few guys this year. Yeah, I agree. And, um, you know, he was kind of laughing about that yesterday, just saying, you know, we've played, uh, eight, nine guys, maybe, maybe 10 at, at, Times he said, I don't know if anybody other in the country other than Leonard of Florida State can play 10 to 12 guys, but he said uh, 12, or 12 are not going to play every game. He said people thinking that can forget it, but uh, there will be times, I guess, where different combos of guys will play and different kinds of combos will sit. Uh, he was also laughing about uh, their trip to Italy where he would set three guys for a game and play uh the rest of the roster and then the next three next game there'd be three different guys set he said yeah we're gonna do that this year <laughs> and um of course he was pulling everybody's leg but uh 
I think he he will make sure that anybody who is worthy of getting some playing time will will see some minutes, and the others will just have to be patient and wait their turn. And it may come in various games through the season, and it may they some of them may have to wait till next year, Chris. I, I think that's the case, and I think one important thing is Vin Ben Vin uh, Ben Vanderplas is really a key guy in one respect. Um, I think, I mean, I, I, I don't know this. I think we'll have to see early in the season, but he's the kind of guy that strikes me. He's a big guy, six, eight, but he's also, he can, he, he runs off, he can run off screens on the offensive side uh, and, and hit that, hit that uh, three point shot, extend defenses that way. He can also score in the post. I see him as a kind of guy that if Tony wants to go quote small, he could, you know, he could use him uh, at four or five, maybe alongside Gardner. Uh, that'd be an interesting lineup offensively. Yeah. Uh, and, and he could also be a kind of guy who could maybe give you some minutes in the backcourt, at least at the three spot. Um, you know, again, run in, in the in the sides offense, the mover blocker offense, running off screens and and, and making guys creating some um, mismatches uh, for, for defenders. So um, that's the, his versatility. I think what I expect will be his versatility. Having seen him, we saw him in the Ohio Virginia game in the NCAA tournament a couple years ago. What I what I kind of envision for him is is you know being able to get minutes in in both of those uh, slots. Yeah, I would agree. He's that versatile and that, that athletic. Um, and like you said, we saw in that NCAA tournament just what he could do. I think he had seventeen points and eight rebounds or something against Virginia in that game, and was a. I mean, I don't know how many times Virginia was you know they were hanging tight in the game and, and were trying to make a comeback and. And, you know, Vanderplas would add another nail in their coffin because he was just so effective that day. I think he's going to be an incredible benefit for this team because, like you said, he, he can do so many things. And I, I think he's an undervalued shooter, too. I think he's a, a pretty 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 good scorer. Um, a lot of people, I assume, know the Bennett family connection there. He uh, – Ben Vanderplas, his real name is Bennett Vanderplas, and named after Tony's father, Dick Bennett, who Ben's father played for at Green Bay, Wisconsin, and was a teammate of Tony's. <laughs> so uh, Tony laughed yesterday. He said, I figured uh, if I couldn't get a guy that was named for my father, then I must be the worst recruiter in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know he's he is underrated I think uh, as a, as a pickup for this program. I mean I, to be honest, I, I looking at the roster coming in this year, I, I was I was thinking why would he even choose to come here because you know he he could go anywhere and start and I don't know that he starts on this team necessarily to start of the season anyway. Um, he'll be competing for those starter minutes, but I'm not sure that you know that he'll crack into the starting lineup right away. He's that good, though, that he could go, I, I think, literally almost anywhere else in the country and start at the four and no one would bat an eye. I look at him like Brady Manick, uh, what, what he did for North Carolina last year. I kind of expect similar things out of him this year. Um, Manick, of course, went into North Carolina after four years at Oklahoma doing a great job there. We saw him in the NCAA tournament uh, when Virginia won in 2019 in the second round. And and Manic, you know, at six nine in his case, and just an inch taller than 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 Vanderplas, a guy who at the four spot 
could stretch defenses, hit outside shots, and then get rebounds, kind of like a Kevin Love, you know, like a, what Kevin Love does in the NBA. And I think Vanderplas is is that good. And so, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was an unexpected bonus, but what a bonus for this Virginia program to have a guy like that. Yeah, that, that's a great comparison to Manic. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, the, um, I, I could see that. And you're right. Uh, it's like signing a uh, four or five star recruit, I think, right out of high school, except this guy has experience and he's done it on that level. And that's invaluable to a, a basketball team to have a guy just infused into your roster like that with so much experience and talent. And people aren't talking much about him, but they should because they're going to be, I think. And, uh, yeah, he brings a lot to the table. And I think he's going to be a, a real strength for, for this basketball team. So what about the freshmen? We talked about how uh, – we've, we've talked in, in past weeks about how this class – uh, is the highest-rated class Tony's brought to grounds since his 2016 class. That group, of course, formed the backbone of the 2019 champions. Um, and, uh, you know, one difference is that 2016 class came in when there was sort of a transition, and you know, some of those guys, Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome particularly, got a lot of minutes that year that maybe they wouldn't even get this year with the depth on this team. Uh, but that said, yeah, th these guys are coming in, uh, Isaac McNeely, Isaac Trout, Leon Bond, Ryan Dunn, um, I've heard a lot of good things about all four of those guys since they've arrived in Charlottesville and, and, and been acclimating themselves with their teammates. We saw some of that in Italy. Um, but uh, do any of these guys have a shot? Uh, any, any talk about that yesterday with Tony about having a shot at cracking the rotation this year? Yeah, I think Isaac McNeely, the kid from Poco, uh, West Virginia, I, I think he probably has the best shot of the four for consistent playing time just because of his shooting ability. And there'll be times where they'll use a guy like him just to open up some zones or break, you know, some things like that. But um, I think the fact that he also played the pack line defense in high school, uh, which was modeled specifically after Tony Bennett's pack line, gives him a little bit of a, nod in that department as well because we all know no matter how good you are offensively unless you can make yourself effective in that pack line defense you're not going to get a lot of minutes we saw that with some guys last year that people couldn't figure out why they weren't playing but that's precisely why and so I think that gives him a little bit of an advantage over the other three uh, they all showed flashes in Italy as you mentioned uh, with some good minutes over there. And, and I think, you know, it'll probably go on a game by game basis and, and, you know, matchups, et cetera. But uh, whoever's had a good week of practice who can come in and, and make it off the bench and make an immediate impact, or at least not do anything bad uh, while they're in the game. I, I think those guys can earn playing time, but again, it goes back to practice and, how well you perform defensively in practices. I guess we'll see, uh, or Tony will see, a little bit of those guys uh, against real competition later this month when they play against Maryland and UConn in two scrimmages um, that the public's not privy to, but sometimes we 
get some information leaked out. But yeah, those secret scrimmages we don't know about. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and Tony doesn't like to talk about those unless you press him on it. But uh, yeah, those are two decent basketball teams that he can try some things. Uh, he uses those scrimmages as a lot of experimentation to find out uh, what's some combinations will work together and, and that sort of thing. So he may have a better picture of that um, after those two scrimmages. Looking for a great dining experience in Charlottesville? Look no further than the Aberdeen Barn. The barn has been family owned and operated since 1965 with Terry and Angela providing great atmosphere and mouth-watering food at Virginia's big time steakhouse. Enjoy the fine dining or relax in the Sportsman's Bar, a fantastic place to wind down and socialize, surrounded by flat screen televisions tuned to the latest sporting events. You never know who you might bump into at the Aberdeen Barn, where all the greatest Cavaliers have dined over the decades and keep coming back for the delicious menu and good times. Check it out online at AberdeenBarn.com or call 434-296-4630. Hi, it's Jonathan Cotton with the Good Feet Store. As a lifelong runner, the pain in my feet was debilitating. Finally, I went into the Good Feet Store and found the answer personally fit art supports. They helped me so much I ran my first marathon that year. Then because I believed in the Goodfeet system so much, I bought the store. I'm so happy to offer my hometown community the opportunity to find relief from foot, knee, and back pain. The Goodfeet store is located in the shops at Stonefield near Trader Joe's. Book your appointment today at goodfeet.com. UVA Orthopedics and Sports Medicine boast one of the finest teams of doctors in the country, and they're right here in Charlottesville to not only provide care for the University of Virginia athletic teams, but also the Charlottesville and Central Virginia communities. UVA Orthopedics has been a proud sponsor of the Jerry Ratcliffe Show for the past two years, with numerous team members featured in weekly segments where doctors share great insight into various sports injuries, what causes them, how to treat them, and recovery time. Their team of experts are there for you and offer the best care to solve your health problems and get you back on your feet. Let their team of specialists get you back in the game. Yeah, I wonder, you know, part of me wonder, McNeely certainly uh, getting getting the opportunity uh, in the backcourt. And also I wonder if Isaac Trout might not uh, in the front court. but, you know, it's so crowded there. You've got uh, at the five spot, both Shedrick and Kafaro, both who basically split starts last year. I think Kafaro ended up getting a couple more starts last year uh, in the end. But, um, you know, I, I, I would expect Shedrick maybe will step up and be the starter. I mean, that's that, you know, you would hope that certainly from a UVA fan standpoint. Um, and Trout gives you the, if he can play the defense well enough, he gives you some punch offensively, got a little bit of perimeter uh, scorer in him, and he's, he can score in the post. But, one thing about Kafaro is he's it's hard for him to be the odd man out. Tony Bennett loves guys like Kafaro. He's he's he, certainly he was almost trained by Jack Salt. You want to say there was a lot of talk about how Jack had such a big role in helping him acclimate when when uh, Francisco was a first year. And you know, I mean, Jack Salt started I think 108 games at, at, in Charlottesville and at, for UVA in four years and. You know, he only scored three points and grabbed three rebounds a game, but he was always out there. He did all the dirty work, and Tony loves guys like that. So, you know, if Trout if Trout does earn minutes, it'll mean he earned them. They're not going to be given to him. In the court. <laughs> You're exactly right, and uh, it, it may be hard to keep him off the floor because he does have so much talent for 
uh, such a young guy. He, he's a physical presence. And like, like you said, he, he can add some offensive punch when he's in there. We, we saw some of that uh, in his high school career. Uh, there was a couple of games where people had a hard time stopping him inside. Um, yeah, and, and, and Tony does – he does have an incredible admiration for those big physical guys that uh, a lot of fans question why they play, but – you don't have to score a lot. Yeah, my dog is a big guy too, and he's wondering that too. <laughs> he's expressing his opinion right now. But uh, I think he sees another dog going down the street. But I think, um, you know, those guys do things, all the dirty work. Like you said, they'll do the things that the other guys <laughs> don't really get a lot of fun out of by uh, setting screens and knocking people on their kazoos. But, um, they're physical. They can rebound. They can play defense, uh, block out such bone-jarring screens. And uh, some players are real crazy about that kind of play, but those guys relish it and uh, and are a key part of, of what makes Tony's offense click. And, boy, as far as Jack Salt and Francisco Cafaro are both concerned, uh, if basketball doesn't work out as a career option, I think they both could have a future in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they look like that guy who played Drago in the Rocky movies. They're both <laughs> big guys, mu- mu- more muscle than they have anything else, and and uh, both nice guys. It was certainly, they, they wouldn't be Dragos in real life. But um, Jaden Gardner and Kia uh, Clark were also uh, in Charlotte yesterday and wonder if they had anything – uh, worthy of uh, mentioning for, uh, to have to say about uh, the upcoming season? Uh, my son talked to – we didn't get as much time in the breakout sessions as we normally do. I don't know why they cut that back, but uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to uh, Jaden at all. Uh, my son did. He's going to do a story on him um, in the next day or two. Uh, talk briefly with Kihei, again, because I spent most of my time talking to Tony, but – uh, expecting to get to talk to Kia, but uh, like I said, they cut everything short. Um, I, uh, I I didn't get a lot a, a chance to talk a lot to Kia, but I, he's very excited about coming back for uh, another year, um, and the fact that he and Reese can play off each other and make each other better during games, and uh, I think he's he he has a lot of. Um, expectations for the backcourt and you know he said somebody asked him if uh he and reese might be the best defensive backcourt in the country and he kind of smiled and he said yeah i'll go i can go with that (laughs) but um he's worked on his uh shooting a little bit more and uh just trying to refine various points of his game which he was already good at uh, he he believes that this is going to be a really good basketball team if everybody um, stays focused and and there's no reason that they shouldn't be because uh, I mean look at look at that backcourt I mean who's better yeah you got a guy who's started as a freshman uh, on a national championship team and did some key things and uh, you know he's had some up and down moments throughout his career but more good than bad and he brings so much value to the table and he has so much fire 
that's what I like about T.A. Clark is he's so much fire to him that he, he does not want to lose and sometimes maybe tries to do too much, but uh, I'd rather have that than somebody backing off and not doing enough. So, And then Bickman is – God knows how good he's going to be this year. He, he got better last year as a sophomore, and if he makes that kind of leap this year, Chris, wow. He's an NBA talent if he can just put it all together. He really is. Yes, I agree. Offensively, offensively, every once in a while, you'll see him drive the lane and throw one down in between two big defenders and say, what, why don't you do that all the time? But it's it's easier said than done. But, boy, he he and he, he and started hitting jumpers last year, started hitting the threes last year. Um, and I look at, boy, not just – obviously, uh, Reese and, and Kihei, Franklin, uh, those guys can guard anybody on the perimeter – I wonder, uh, Tony, did Tony talk anything about defense? You know, when I look at those guys, uh, you know, those three guys in the backcourt, Shedrick is an elite shot blocker. Kafaro, uh, a pretty good position defender for a 7-1 guy. Jaden Gardner had ups and downs defensively, but he had two great games against Paulo Bancaro, held him to single digits both times, uh, the number one pick in the draft this summer. Um, and so I look at all those guys and say, man, you know, these guys can all be great defenders. But yet last year's team, when I looked at the efficiency numbers, the KenPalm.com efficiency numbers, actually Virginia had its worst season defensively since Tony's second team in 2010-2011. So I would expect that with, uh, you know, the, the maturity, the, ex the extra year in the system, especially for guys like Franklin and Gardner, um, that this team could be a, once again, a really good Virginia defensive team. Yeah, he didn't really address that much yesterday. I guess he figures it's a given, but um, you're right. The, the numbers were off a little bit last year, and I think a lot of that was because of the newness of the team. Uh, Shedrick playing a new role. Uh, the two transfers, it took them a, a long time, I think, to get the pack line down, particularly Franklin. And um, – so, you know, I think that's what held their numbers back. But as you said, there were points in the season last year, like against Carolina in that first uh, – excuse me, against Duke, where uh, he held Bancaro down, uh, where they seemed to get it. Um, early on against Houston and JMU and Navy, that you know, they, they didn't get it. And they got upset or destroyed in the case of the Houston game because they were just out of position so much and physically manhandled and, and, and couldn't, couldn't uh, adjust during the game. So, and that showed big time. And then once they finally started getting it, uh, we saw the improvement, particularly down the home stretch when they got better for the most part. So, uh, yeah, I, while Tony didn't talk much about their defense, other coaches in the ACC did, they said, oh, we we never want to play against their defense. So uh, I, I think it'll only be better this time around because these guys have had a year in it and know the know it inside and out, and, and that's only going to make them a, a little bit harder to beat. Yeah, uh, playing Virginia's pack line defense is like a baseball team going up against a knuckleball pitcher. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you only see it once every so often, and you, it's hard to prepare for. Um and uh, the advantage to Virginia is that's what they play all the time. Um, so, um, so what can folks look forward to from uh, in terms of you and Scott? Uh, what you'll have in terms of coverage the next few days? Yeah, I'm going to write a little bit about the schedule that we talked about, and I'm going to write a story about uh, 
I asked Tony if if it, if he was he and his staff were much more aggressive in the recruiting department um, this past off season. It, it seemed to me and you, I know you and I have talked about that. They seem to be much more aggressive. They went after, it seemed like uh, a lot more players than they have in the past. And it, that trend seems to be continuing into the 24 and 25 classes, which are already uh, we've written some about and some of the guys that have either been offered or are visiting, et cetera. Uh, like the, the Cameron Carr kid and from the, well, he actually, he's a 23 class, but uh, Donovan Richardson, the kid from collegiate, uh, Virginia has been looking at him and, uh, and Christian Gerdak, uh, the number one recruit in the state of Virginia from Paul the sixth. Uh, he's already been here for an unofficial visit. So I'm going to be talking about that and, and, and just his philosophy on recruiting and if it's changed any or, stayed the same or if it's just intensified. So we'll have that. We'll have stories on uh, Jane Gardner and some other stuff, maybe some notes. Um, as we uh, – and, and, you know, I'll, we'll probably be going to the uh, blue-white scrimmage on Saturday just to get a look at these guys and see how they operate together. Uh, we don't get to talk to the coaches or players after the game, but we can still watch them and see what how they react. And, uh, of course, that'll bleed into uh, an early football week with Virginia going down to Georgia Tech for a Thursday night game a week from tonight. Yeah, I see that uh, your son, Scott, also had a nice uh, wrap of uh, uh, Coach Mox talking about the women's team uh, on Tuesday down in Charlotte. And, yes. Um, a good thorough read there. Uh, a lot of excitement around the around the women's program with what she's been able to do, getting some recruits in for this year. She she finally got Samantha Brunel to come back home, uh, which was big news. Also, the recruiting she's doing for the future classes too. Uh, there, there's a lot of a lot of optimism around women's basketball. Yeah, and we'll be doing some preseason stuff on them as well. So, and hopefully have them on a, a couple of our podcasts as we approach the season yes indeed yes indeed well um as you mentioned football is on bye week this week no press conference no news uh, around uh uva football to report the coaches have probably probably scattered to the winds looking for some recruits for the next coming couple classes uh before they get back to grounds and you know the the players are in conditioning and and uh, they'll they'll start to actually game week probably starts a little sooner than normal they have a thursday game i think you mentioned that and um so game week probably does start a little sooner than normal, but uh, uh, yeah, no, no news really uh, that we've seen coming across about the, the, uh, the football team since the, the loss to Louisville last weekend. So um, yeah, the focus this weekend, certainly with the blue white scrimmages, uh, one thirty tip off for the women, two fifteen for the men, there's a meet the team day for fans who want to do that after, uh, after the men's uh, scrimmage. Um, and the women, I like what they're doing. They're, they're scrimmaging their men's practice team. I don't know how many people know about this, but oh, yeah. they'll actually, actually get a bunch of guys. And the guys aren't, you know, those guys are pretty good players. Uh, I remember back when I was a student at UVA back in the 90s, they started doing this. And, and I played pickup with some of those guys. Those were, those were some really talented high school players who, you know, didn't continue their careers and probably could have been D3 guys. Uh, and they, the women, that gets them tougher. They play, they, they play these guys and, you know, the guys go all out and 
So that should be that should actually be pretty fun to watch uh, to see the the women's team playing against those guys. Uh, the guys don't give them any any quarter, but I'll say this: uh, as a guy who played against the women back in the day when I was at UVA, at Mem Gym, at uh, Slaughter Rec Center, sometimes on North Grounds at the at the gym there, depending. Um, the the lady the women's team players always got my number so <laughs> they were really good players back then I can only imagine even so much better now so that should, that should actually be a fun day for for fans to see both those teams in action yeah and uh, as you said next week is a, a early week with the Thursday night game and so everything has been moved up a day so our press conference normally on Tuesday with Tony Elliott will uh, be held on Monday. So uh, everything's moved up uh, a day in preparation for that. And, and we Georgia Tech, um, I don't know if they're playing this weekend or not, if or if they have a bye week too, but they, uh, they're they undefeated since they fired their coach. They're 2-0 and and they upset Pitt. Um, so it'll be facing a, another uh, group of Yellow Jackets that uh, have been stirred up down there. It's always tough to win in Atlanta. And uh, still awaiting the word from our, our buddy that I had a podcast with uh, earlier in the week, Darius Neighbors, a, a 2007 Virginia graduate uh, with a degree in political philosophy and law and uh, who is representing uh, the state of Virginia, well, st- sort of the state of Virginia and, and UVA, but mostly the state of Colorado in the United States mullet championship he grew a mullet a few times in his lifetime uh, first as a gag to go to a high school prom over in broadway and lost his date because of it <laughs> but uh grew up back uh and won uh, this the colorado state mullet championship at their state fair and uh, um is competing against uh 25 other guys for the national mullet championship. So he's going to keep us updated on that. Uh, he's a very funny guy and gave us some, uh, some good moments. And uh, the, the disappointing part I had about it was that uh, he reached out to David Spade, Joe dirt uh, for some uh, advice and stuff and, and hadn't heard back from David Spade. So uh, he's hoping to maybe hook up with him this sometime this month out in Denver. Uh, Spade is going to be there for a, uh, I'm not sure for what, but uh, he, he's going to try to reach out to him and see if they can get some kind of connection going. <laughs> you know, I, I had a, a, in the eighties when they were in vogue, those terrible days and thankfully no pictures exist of this for me, but I had a mullet in the eighties uh, when I was a teenager, I guess. I was- no, I would pay to see that. Oh God. I, yeah. I would pay for you not to see that. And, um, but then I was mentioning this once uh, Rod Mullins does a NASCAR podcast with me once a week. And, and he's a teacher also uh, teaches seniors uh, down in Southwest Virginia in high school. And he mentioned that the mullet has unfortunately made a comeback, not just, not just for gags, but he said he's, he's noticed in the last couple of years, uh, quite a few of his students, male students have mullets. And I said, you know, we didn't know what we were doing back in the eighties, but <laughs> these kids have to know that it's, it's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently not. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, that's, that was a great listen. Uh, that podcast, um, 
And, uh, you know, no doubt. I mean, he's a UVA guy. We'll probably win the national championship because that's what UVA does is win national championships. <laughs> well, he said his, one of his main goals in this was to keep the Virginia Tech guy from winning it because he knows how much that would mean to the Virginia Tech to win the national mullet championship. They'd finally have something to put in that trophy case is what we're along trying to keep from bass, Along with that bass fishing trophy, right? <laughs> Well, that was a good listen. So it's still on the website. If you uh, if you listening out there want to want to catch back up on that, we still have no news, so it's still fresh as far as that goes. Well, Jerry, uh, you want to thank the sponsors as we uh, get ready to wrap up here. Absolutely, uh, I want to thank them all for the website and the podcast. They are, some of them are different. We have added a new uh, website sponsor this week, and Hildrip uh, Movers from up in D.C. They're a national mostly East Coast moving company uh, run by former Virginia linebacker Charles McDaniel and his family. Great family there. I ran into one of his uh, main guys down in Charlotte yesterday who came over just to speak to uh, Tony. But uh, uh, Bob Sandell's son, uh, who lives in Charlotte, a great guy. Um, So we want to thank them for joining on to our website. Uh, along with all our other website advertisers. And as far as our podcast goes, please thank these following sponsors for bringing us to you a couple times or more a week. Uh, The Good Feet Store, uh, please recognize that they're not a running shoe store. They're they're a uh, support, arch support store that can make a big difference in the way you walk and run and feel. they're all over the place. I was down in North Carolina yesterday and heard their commercials in Greensboro and Winston-Salem. They have stores down there. Uh, if you're having any pain or difficulty and discomfort walking or running, please go see these people. You owe it to yourself. They can help you. Uh, they're located in Stonefield here in Charlottesville, uh, right beside Burger Bach, right, right across from the movie theater. And uh, Aberdeen Barn, the best steakhouse in Virginia, making my mouth water as we speak. Uh, go by and get a great meal from Angela and Terry, a convenient location right there off 29 Emmett Street. Um, I, I, I look forward every time. Every time I know I'm going there, I look forward until <laughs> I get there and cut into my steak. Uh, great atmosphere. And also um, – Ragged Mountain Running Shop, uh, they do have the running shoes and walking shoes you need, and they can coach you up on if you're a beginner runner or an experienced runner. They can help you, uh, give you tips. They're both well-versed in coaching runners, and they have uh, any kind of athletic shoe needs that you would prefer. And who am I forgetting here off the top of my head? Um, UVA Ortho? UVA Ortho. How could you forget UVA Ortho? They're one of the leading orthopedic clinics on the eastern seaboard and uh, I think one of the third largest in the country in terms of everything that they can do for you in terms of having everything under one roof. Great people. They take care of UVA's football team and uh, all the other athletic teams over there. They take care of some of the JMU teams. Uh, they take care of area high school kids and our general population. So if you have any kind of an ortho need, you don't have to wear a, an athletic uniform to get on their good list and just go by and, and make a 
an appointment and see one of the great doctors over there because whatever it is, they can fix it for you. So thank, thanks to all those people. And if you uh, patronize their businesses, please tell them that uh, Hootie sent you. Well, our thanks to those sponsors, the website sponsors in addition, and thanks to you, the listeners, for uh, making this all possible. We wouldn't do it if, uh, if, if people wouldn't want to listen, so thanks to you as well. For Jerry Ratcliffe, I'm Chris Cramp signing off. Everyone have a great day.